Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of the Let's Talk Audio Podcast. Woohoo! So, on today's episode, I have my friend Tim Weaver. He is a live sound engineer who's been doing audio for, give or take, about 30 years. And although he's not a standard guest because he is a white male in America doing audio, He is um, a fantastic person that I wanted to speak with because he has a very um, inclusive mindset, a very come one, come all mindset. But more importantly, his ideas and principles that he's going to express in this episode, I think are important for us as sound engineers, but more importantly, they're important for us as individuals. So without further ado, I want to get into it with Tim Weaver. Let's talk, let's talk audio. audio, 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 audio. There you go. Now let's tell your story from the top. <laughs> We're in Vegas, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I was in Vegas. We kind of got a last minute call to do the Cowboy Church in Las Vegas, and uh, the the guy I work for, Roy West, super nice guy, awesome dude. He just retired from a lifetime of like finance, and he grew up with George Strait. He grew, he was like college roommates with George Strait, right? They were friends, still are friends, but basically, you know, George Strait went off and did the music thing and Roy went into the big world of finance, <laughs> but the big, exciting world of finance. So Roy has just retired and he wants to do music again is the deal. So Roy's band is the guitar player, lead guitar player is Rick McRae, who's George Strait's lead guitar player. Our fiddle player is uh danny levin who he's played for everybody around austin he's a multiple grammy winner i think he's got two grammys and uh our keyboard player piano player is emily gimbal who is johnny gimbal's granddaughter johnny gimbal the king of texas swing so like yeah the band is just incredible like unbelievable and i know you know western swing's not (laughs) kind of music that a lot of people would have on top of their mind right now but if you're a fan of music and musicianship you owe it yourself to go listen to a little western swing when you start breaking it down musically it's it's a pretty incredible music it's very jazzy a lot of jazz chords gotta know a lot of chords (laughs) so it's fun it's a lot of fun i like that that's really cool no i was just gonna say i I like that i mean i'm not a huge like country music person but like texas swing i can usually vibe with for a a period of time (laughs) yeah well, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it, it's really cool. It's really a dance music is what it is. You know, it's for like polka, you know, high, high speed polka. Sometimes it's a lot of fun. The musically it's incredible and, uh, you know, just, just super wholesome. <laughs> Tim, do you dance? No, I don't dance. I'm, <laughs> I'm so awkwardly uncoordinated. It's, it's incredible. So, uh, yeah, when I was growing up, I was six four. I don't think I'm quite six four anymore. But everybody's like, "You play basketball?" And I'm like, "No, I can't dribble the ball. I can't do those things. That's not possible." So, so no sports ball for you? No sports ball for me. Mm-mm. Man, I wish I was taller so I could do more sports ball. Because so the position that I played my entire life was in basketball. So I did a lot of sports. I'm gonna use basketball specifically. I played post and so that's like 
where people are supposed to be the tallest, right? Well, my whole life, I was the tallest. And then <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, we're going to need you to be a point guard. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And I was trash at that position. I was like, why did they make me do this? Um, and then needless to say, that did not work out for me in the long run. But I was just too short. And it's not that I'm like even really considered short because I'm not. I'm actually above average for a female. But in the world of sports ball, <laughs> I am short. Yeah. There's those six, seven females out there walking they, around like oh, it's normal. So tall. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I was like, Jesus, I'm short compared to them. You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm tiny. <laughs> I can buy my clothes at conventional stores. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange when I worked at A&M and we would have to go do something over in the uh, basketball arena or something and the basketball players would just be walking around. I'm, I'm six four. Not many people... You know, there's plenty of people that are kind of equally as tall as me, but then I get over there and I feel like a child. Like I sit me at the kids table because like I'm looking up to all these dudes that are seven foot. It's a crazy feeling. They're like giants. You know, it makes me wonder if like, you know, the story of like Daniel and, and like fighting the giants and like all that sort of stuff in the Bible it makes me wonder if like the giants that they were referring to are like these like seven foot tall humans that were like existed. And then like everyone else was just like, you know, five feet or whatever. And that's why it was like, like why the story was such a big deal, you know, because you think about it, like, you know, I don't know. It's super possible. We, we recently went towards the end of summer, uh, we took the kids uh, down to Houston and uh, saw the Pompeii exhibit that's at the Natural History Museum in Houston. And you're looking at these guys from Pompeii in 1500s or whenever that happened. They're tiny. They're like, I would be a giant to them, you know, and I'm six, probably six, three nowadays. But they were tiny, tiny people. So yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible that there was a, you put me in a room with Andre the Giant and I look small. And then, you know, if if the average height of the average dude in in the 1500s was like five foot five, you know, which seems like it was, <laughs> I mean, somebody like my size or even bigger would be ginormous, be 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 the news of the town. I think for sure, for sure. Anyways, nothing that has anything to do with anything. Uh, <laughs> just random random thoughts from uh, from my brain. So first off. We should know who you are. How about you introduce yourself to the people, Tim? All right. Hi, people. Tim Tim Weaver, kind of the uh, unseen, unheard sound guy in the back of the room, sitting in the dark, playing with all the buttons. That's me. That's who you are? That. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How about 25 years-ish, <laughs> something like that. Uh, I don't know. Somebody can count it up. I, I probably my first professional gig. I'm going to say it was 90, probably 93-ish, something like that. The yeah. first professional gig was 93? I think so, yeah. Damn, that's like almost 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, it certainly is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even like, I don't even like to think about it. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to laugh. Fine. It was just it's like fine. you said it, and then I was like, "Oh yeah. shit!" And then yeah. I was like, "That's a okay." So I don't math very well, so I just I keep telling myself that I've been doing this about fifteen years, and it makes me feel better. <laughs> 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 uh, 
No. <laughs> that's hilarious. But that's not even close to you anymore. I, like, take that number and double it. And then you got it. That's that's more accurate. Yeah, but I mean, but that's a good thing, though. I mean, like, your history in audio is expanded, like, outside of what we consider, like, the digital world of audio, you know? Like, because you, you remember the analog days. You remember, like, working in that. Versus like a lot of us now, we're like, yeah, analog. I mean, it's like a novelty, but most people, they don't really use it like that anymore, especially not when you think about like tapes and, and all that sort of like way of doing audio either. Yeah, I, I've primarily always been in live sound. I've never really done a lot in the studio, anything really, other than here at the church, we do some recording stuff. But uh, yeah, I've been a live sound guy, theater and music uh, and just, you know, general event type stuff, whatever. But yeah, I, I certainly, I got my start in, in analog. You know, the digital stuff, while it sort of existed, we didn't see it. You know, nobody had it uh, around here. I remember seeing my first digital console I saw at Baylor University had a Yamaha, uh, what's it called? The ProMix 01, which was a little small digital console. It was like a 12-channel thing, I think, or something similar to that. And it had a little screen on it and had all the, you know, what we consider now normal. It had a select button over every fader and then just one set of controls to do everything, which was strange to me at the time. But I was kind of an early adopter of digital. Like when you could really lay your hands on the equipment, I started using it. Uh, I started using it at A&M. I started working at A&M at 2000 and I'd already messed with digital a little bit, but I really started using it hardcore at A&M because the, the benefit that I saw in it was coming from the world of analog, analog desks, like a decent size analog desk were 300 pounds, 400 pounds in the case, you know, ridiculous took, you know, a semi truck to move all the stuff because it's not just the desk. It's three ish or four racks full of equipment too, that are also 250 pounds each, you know? So you start talking about moving literally a thousand pounds plus just for front of house, just for front of house. That's it. It was ridiculous. So the, the digital stuff gave me the ability to pick up one 30 pound console in a case, plop it down. And even though I had to do a bunch of scrolling around and pages and menus and everything else, I didn't have to move a thousand pounds of stuff. And that was, that was the deal. And, you know, truth, we weren't, we weren't talking about, you know, a level gigs where every uh, ounce of sound quality counts, which I'd argue that even on a level gigs, that's not really the case. It's not really required. A lot of people like to say that sound quality is everything and they're, you know, they're not going to compromise this, that, or the other. It, it doesn't matter. People <laughs> to make it, make it good enough. And, <laughs> I know this is blasphemy for an audio podcast, right? I mean, no, I, look, okay. I want you to explain why you say that, because I think that's important. I think it's like, it's one thing to have an opinion, but it's another thing that like back it up with logic or have a reasoning. So what's the reason behind it? Okay. Have you ever gone to, you ever gone grocery shopping and your jam comes on and you're sitting there and you're digging on it. You're just listening to it and you're digging, you're loving it. You're into it, right? It happens everywhere. It happens everywhere in a, in a car with a terrible 
radio in it and, and background noise going like crazy at the shopping center, wherever you go to a, like a, a city festival or a count, little county fair or a little city festival or something's going on, you know, seven times out of 10, the audio at those things is terrible. And you're sitting way off to the side and you can't see anything, but you can hear it and you're jamming on it. The experience trumps the quality of what's happening. If you look up there and you see a band that's just killing it and you get into it and you like the music, the experience trumps everything else. You'll quickly forget if the lighting show was not very good or you'll quickly forget if the left side of the PA is missing all the horns. So you moved over to the right side of the PA so you could hear everything and then everything's cool again. You can hear the whole show and uh, you might, you might run across, it's a good band, but a ma- bad mix guy, you know, out at front of house. And humans have an incredible ability to normalize stuff, audio, video, situ- cold, hot, everything. You step outside your front door and it's 45 degrees and you're like, Ooh, it's cold. But if you go out there and you spend 10 minutes, you start walking around the block you're not really as cold anymore. You get nor- you normalize to the situation. If you just accept that you've got to be out there, you have to walk around the block because it's after dinner exercise time, whatever, and it's cold and you didn't bring the heavy jacket like you, you should have, but you just, you know, you go and you do and you get used to it. Happens with audio very, very quickly, by the way. You know, in recording situations, they tell you to like, Stop what you're doing. Take a break. You know, let your ears have a break. You're, you've you've been mixing for two hours, and everything's just like you don't know what's going on. You can't. You, you're trying every little thing, but nothing seems to be making a difference. They tell you take a break, walk away from it, come back in 20 minutes with fresh ears, sit down, hit play. Well, the reason why nothing was working beforehand is because you've normalized the situation in your head. Everything in that mix is, I don't know exactly how to explain it. Everything in that mix has been heard before and your brain interprets it in such a way that you're not hearing the true audio at that point in time, right? And that happens very quickly. That happens within a couple of minutes, really, maybe faster. You go to a, you go to a concert and opener's finished. You're listening to the DJ play. For 30 minutes while they switch the stage and then the headliner comes out headliner comes out strong they hit it big but the the mix isn't quite right right it's a little maybe it's a little harsh maybe the kick drum's way too loud because or the just the band and overall is way too loud this happens a lot because they sound check at three in the afternoon and they're thinking about oh where are we gonna go eat dinner tonight and they're jink 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 then they come out at 11 o'clock at night and the the crowd is big because it's a full crowd and they're excited and everything they've had maybe a couple of beers to get stage ready you know and they come out and they're instead of at this level they're at this level right happens all the time so if you're not expecting that you know a, a mix engineer can get in trouble because if you've optimized everything at sound check levels now you're like you're in the red everywhere so just be aware of that new people um <laughs> Sound is sound is a eighty seven percent psychological game. If you're dealing with bands, uh, you got to be on point with that psychological game. 
Yeah, you do. You really do. <laughs> if you're yeah. about people in general, it's it's just in general. That's that's for all people, not even just fans. But I think that's interesting that you went from this like idea of like, yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect to but by the way, be prepared. <laughs> great, great, great transitions. I, I get your logic in the sense of perfection is your own worst enemy and you're never really gonna ever achieve perfection, so you might as well just strive for you know I don't want to say well enough because well enough makes it sound like you can be mediocre and that's okay. I think the term I would prefer to use is strive for the best that you can in that moment. Sure. Well, I'm not saying call it good enough and and go eat hospitality. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I've been doing, how many years have I been doing this? 27, 20, 30, 36, you know. I think you're just shy of 30 years. 940 yeah. years now. <laughs> Since the dawn of time, you've been doing it. I am still learning. I'm still striving. I'm still tweaking. I'm still trying to do the best job that I can possibly do. Why? Mostly for me, you know, mostly for me. I feel like that I have a lot to bring to the table for a band or an event or whatever. Is that noticed? Hardly ever. Barely ever. You know, you could you could hire me or you could hire some kid that's been doing it three years and to the great majority of the audience, they're not going to know the difference. They're just not. And that's, that's an unfortunate truth, you know, because the audience is not, you're not talking about an educated audiophile audience. You know, they, they don't know as long as they can hear the vocals and understand what's going on and maybe a little thumpy kick drum, nine and a half times out of 10, the audience is fine. They think it's a good show whether it was or it wasn't, if it was up to your standards or it wasn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter to the audience. As long as things don't explode into great fiery balls of flames, you know, the Astro World mess that just happened, bad show. That was an awful okay, show. Okay, bad show, Absolutely people. Absolutely awful. <laughs> That's what happens at a bad show, okay? What happens at a good show is, do people dance? Do people bob their heads? Do people, you know, get down to it? Do people come up and complain? Because you're going to have, yeah, you're going to have people come to front of house saying, you need to turn so-and-so up because I can't hear them. And then you're going to have another person walk up and say, you need to turn that person down because they're too loud. If there's a thousand people at a show, there's a thousand opinions on how it should sound and none of them match yours. So all you can do is hope for the best, average it out, make yourself happy what I say. Make yourself happy. I'm trying to make myself happy. I'm trying to search for that elusive mix. And honestly, for me, it's only happened a handful of times over my whole career where I had the perfect mix that I could have for that night. And it's tough because you might have a fantastic 10 out of 10 mix going, but you're in a room with a terrible, like, you know, a uh, third of a second RT time at 500 hertz. And so the whole thing just sounds super boxy and gross because the room is bad. You can't do anything about that. You know, you cannot do anything about that. There's no technology hasn't fixed that yet. 
you might be working with a sound company for that day that just has no idea what they're doing. So I guess I should say this. I used to tour with bands for a number of years. I don't even know how many, five, six years, something like that. So probably more like 10 years. <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard to judge it because some of that time I wasn't really touring with a band, but I was working for a production company that did all of so-and-so's bands gigs. So it's like, was that touring? Was I not? No, I was driving. I was leaving from my house for every gig, you know, might follow them around in a, in a truck for three or four gigs in a row, but I'm not really touring with that band, but I'm kind of part of the crew. So, but then after that point, I did start touring, you know, legit in a bus and wake up in a different town, every kind of everyday kind of band with that band. Very, very mid-range Texas country band, which around here, I'm in Texas, y'all. Around here, it is the biggest moneymaker in live production. Texas country is. We do massive, huge festivals in the summer. We personally traveled all up and down the middle of the country, all the flyover states. We went as far east as like we went to Tennessee, we went to Chicago, some places like that. In the West, we went to Wyoming, Montana, uh, New Mexico. We never actually, while I was with them, we never actually made it to California. We never actually made it all the way to like New York or, or the coast. We never saw oceans, <laughs> but, but we went just about everywhere else. And, but most of our time, uh, was spent in Texas. And the reason is, is because Texas is just big enough to have we have enough real estate that we can support a huge industry here back to the point of, you know, bad PAs and all that. You might have your perfect mix down and you get there and the PA company is just terrible. I've had honestly more often than not on my level of touring, PA companies were terrible. Didn't know what they were doing. Just went out and bought big piles of gear, set it up, made it make noise. And, for them, that was enough. That was end of story. Sometimes you would get on a really good PA and you would throw your really good mix down and you happen to be maybe outdoors or in a really good sounding room. Then, and only then, when all the stars align, you can have, oh, and the band has to also play good that night. <laughs> so there's a lot of variables in this in order for you to get that perfect mix. It really is chasing the dragon trying to get that perfect mix and when it happens it's like the whole room lifts off the ground and you start flying it's awesome it's really good so i don't know rest of the time good enough is good enough nobody's going to know the difference between room off the ground and you know because most of the kids in the crowd are flying off the ground anyways for different reasons you got a possum in your attic <laughs> I think it's a squirrel. <laughs> Literally squirrel. I was like, what is this noise? And I heard it, it. sounds like, like, I was like, is that a squirrel? I think it's a squirrel on my roof. So here's a funny yeah. story. Uh, <laughs> years ago, back in the 90s, we went and did a, a show at this club. I don't know if it's there anymore or not. It's in San Antonio. It was a, it was a Spanish Mexican club. We did some band, didn't understand a word that was said all night, whatever, but we're packing up at the middle of the night and it's just us and like the manager left. And, uh, 
we hear this noise up in the ceiling like that. And we're like, what in the heck is that noise? And the manager's like, oh, that's the raccoons. Yeah, we've got raccoons. We can't get rid of them. And uh, usually about half the time when I come in and open up in the morning to accept deliveries, there'll be two or three of them passed out under the margarita machine. Because <laughs> they like... Oh, my they, gosh! They would sit there and lick the drippings out of the margarita machine after after close. Oh, my God! And get drunk, pass out. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious! Oh Fun my times. goodness. Also kind of gross, but hilarious, yeah, but right? kind of gross. <laughs> drunk raccoons. Man, that's crazy. Uh, no, so here at the house, there's um, a lot of trees. Um, my uh, my great-grandmother uh, planted a ton of trees. And so there, it's like trees galore. Right here on the corner, it's like this. there's two trees that just overlay the, the uh, roof. And so like the other day there was a, a woodpecker uh that's in the tree that lives in the tree and so that was happening and then it was just peck peck pecking away and that is a loud sound i didn't realize how loud woodpecking would be until i heard it in person and i was like that is really loud yeah they're serious and then there's because there's so many trees there's so many squirrels because the squirrels come and and it's like a variety of trees too there's like a pecan tree and there's an oak tree um and so they're like eating all the stuff that falls off of them and they're living their best life out there in the backyard. <laughs> like just they're like, Yes, this is where we want to be. Thank you. Um <laughs> sometimes I'd be like, I need you to go away. <laughs> but yeah, so that's cool. I, I like to ramble, by the way. You do, and that's okay. It's fine. It's it's really funny because when I first started this podcast, this reason why I started making lists of stuff is because I would have like these just trains of thoughts that just kept going and I was like okay not everybody appreciates that so I had to like rein it in a little bit but what I also learned is that a large number of people in my audience do like it because they are also the same way so it is perfect and I'm like cool. thanks yay my kind of people Nobody comes to talk to the guy sitting in the dark in the back pressing buttons. So uh, I when... do all the time. And a lot of them <laughs> want me to leave me leave them alone. I'm not even gonna lie. I go up to them and I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah, it's bad. Let's talk audio. And they're like, person who's talking to me, <laughs> why? Why are you talking? To I'm me? working. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's fine. And then sometimes I get met with like positive responses. So it's really up in the air about that particular topic. But what I I guess well, we're on the topic, so I'll ask it. How do you feel about people who come up to you and try to talk to you? I know, like, I've always been a very outgoing person. I've always been, like, let me go and try and, like, talk to these people. Especially when I first tried to get into the world of audio. I was like, I really want to connect with these people because I know that this is what I want to do. But I only know two sound engineers. And that's not really good enough when it came down to certain things. And so, I don't know, like, I like when people come up to me and talk to me. Personally, I enjoy it um, within reason. Like, if I'm, like, in the middle of something, don't, like, come talk to me because I'm in the middle of something. Like, go away. But, like, if I'm just, like, standing there and it's very obvious that this is sort of more of a, a chill moment in time, I am, I like people who talk to me. And I like going up to people to talk to them. So, I guess I respond to that differently. But how do you feel about it or deal with it? Well, you're an outgoing person. I'm more of a cave troll. So 
No, but I really, I don't mind people coming up and talking. It just depends on what they have to talk about. Like I said, half the time when I'm mixing a show, there'll be at least two complaints and one of them will be it's too loud and one of them will be it's I can't hear so-and-so. You know, those people get to be kind of a chore. I, I treat it nicely and whatnot, but it, it's kind of a chore. But uh, anybody wants to come up and say, hey, man, I really like so-and-so. How are you doing that? I I will talk all day long about that, about audio or lighting, too. I do a fair amount of lighting. I guess I call myself a production guy. I'm not really a, uh, just audio. Uh, I do lighting as well. But audio is my main, my main bag. Yeah, no, I, I love talking uh, about production in general, especially to younger folks that don't don't have that experience, haven't been on a gig th- of that size or, you know, don't, you know, if they're, they're trying to improve themselves. They're trying to learn something. I, I got no problems with that. And I'll share. I'm, I don't have any secrets, you know, so I'll share anything. Used to be, I don't, I don't find it as much anymore, but used to be, you know, the, the, the meme of the grumpy old sound guy, that was for real when I got started. That was for real. And those guys, if they had some kind of secret sauce that they would do on something to make something sound good, they wouldn't share it with you. You had to kind of figure it out, pick it out for yourself. For the most part, I was lucky to hook up with a pretty good mentor that, although his communication skills is horrible, still is horrible, but he's one of those persons that that if you ask him a question and he says yes or no, you can't understand what he said. It's like, uh, hey, Vince, uh, you know, which truck, uh, you know, I'm going to take the yellow truck. Is it got the console in it? Yeah. <laughs> That's his answer. Yeah. What does that even <laughs> is, mean? Is, is that a yes or is that a no? <laughs> I don't know. Vince, turn around and speak to me. Enunciate. But no, Vince, Vince is an awesome, awesome mentor. He, I mean, I say Vince, if anybody's in Texas and know that possibly going to know who I'm talking about, it's Backstage Sound and Lights in Bryan, Texas. Vince has owned that company for a long time. And uh, he is one of, if not the best, like, system engineers I've ever met. As far as putting a PA together that sounds incredible, and there's so much more to it than just throwing a PA up and tuning it. This is like full, well, I mean, we start with power. You know, we start with the the wire gauge of the feeder cable that runs the distro, and the distro has, you know, twist lock plugs with sufficient wire gauge to get to the amps and the amps have enough power to do their job. You know, I mean, he's, he starts from ground up and builds a rig and it's like a sledgehammer. I mean, the, his rigs are just fantastic. They're, they're reliable. They sound good. He, he's a big JBL guy. Uh, he uses a lot of JBL stuff. And before JBL got their, crap straight with all of their different presets that they have now, the version four and version five presets and whatnot. He was rolling his own like presets for Vertec and for, especially for the old HLA, people are going to have nightmares if they know what an HLA is. Vince's HLA sound good. They sound real good when you can fly them and get them away from the stage. Uh, HLAs for those that don't know are a, an old school trapezoid cabinet. It's a three-way horn-loaded 
it's not a box. I was about to call it a box, but it's a it's a aluminum space frame. Inside that space frame, there's a fiberglass uh, horn flares for all for the 14 inch. It's not a 15 inch. It's a 14 inch, a 10 inch, and then the the high frequency horn. All that's mounted on a big fiberglass thing that can tilt up and down in the space frame. So these things rig, and like when I say rig, you hang them from the ceiling, and you can hang multiples of them in a row. Today, everything's banana shaped. They hang the top ones kind of pointing straight out, and the bottom ones curved to, so that they can point down. HLAs hung completely flat because you could actually point each speaker in the array at a different angle. And HLA stands for Horn Loaded Array. It's a very imaginative name by JBL. However, everybody started calling them hella loud and atrocious or, you know, various different names like that because they really, with the factory presets, they sounded terrible. They were stupid loud, stupid loud. And directivity out the front of the cabinet was very good. Unfortunately, they also put off a ton of low mids off the back of the cabinet because there was literally no cabinet. There was just fiberglass horn shells that kind of vibrate. And so all that like 200 to 500 stuff was just right off the back of the cabinet onto the stage if they were stacked anywhere close to the stage. Um, that's one of the things that people hated about them, which I also hate about them. They're terrible. But Vince, yeah, my mentor, Vince, he, um, man, he figured out how to tame those things. We still use them today for different events. They're, I'd say, weatherproof. You know, uh, we've done events where we just got hammered on by rain and you could just keep the PA playing if you wanted to, because, you know, the the, the rain isn't going to hurt those cabinets. They they were built to be also installed in football stadiums, et cetera, et cetera. So they were they were weatherproof. As long as your electronics were dry, you could keep running in the rain if you wanted to. Yeah, it's cool. Vince is a good dude. Vince is a good dude of very few words, and he taught me a lot. And so I'm trying to carry on that tradition of anybody that comes up to talk to me, be happy to talk to them. Be happy to share. I'm pr- I'm really active on Pro Sound Web which is you know for you kids out there there were these things called internet forums oh my god this internet guy. bulletin boards you know before the twitters and the facebooks and the things i understand you don't even use facebooks anymore facebooks yeah. this is what is facebook plural <laughs> <laughs> the facebook it is now <laughs> when your audio career has uh graduated college and gotten a, a real job because you've been doing it so long um facebooks becomes plural because I'm an old man. <laughs> no, now it's called the meta. It's the metaverse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Facebook is now meta, by the way, that they, they, they changed their name. I thought they legally changed their name, like, like they're a small child or something. Uh, Facebook has legally changed its name to meta. So now they're creating the metaverse. Good for them. I hope <laughs> it all, I hope it dies in a fire. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, the video for it is kind of creepy. <laughs> I I cannot stand social media, folks. I, I know this might be under the greater umbrella of social media. I do love podcasts because it's kind of it's kind of got that flavor of pirate radio, you know. Yeah, do it yourself. Very punk, you know. Very punk. I love it. I love the the DIY ethic of of the punk music and movement back in the day. And that's how, honestly, when I got started. A lot of sound companies were building their own PAs, literally hammering nails and buy a speaker and 
whatever. It was very much the same way. Nowadays, you can't get a gig unless you've got, you know, a L acoustics system in your back pocket and you spent $300,000 on it. So where was I? I'm lost. <laughs> um, so we were talking about the forum and being on that and being social in that regard, you know, helping people. If you want to talk to me, uh, prosoundweb.google.net, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Just Google ProSound Web. You'll find it. It's the I'll forum. put it in the show notes. I'm I'm on that quite a bit. It's the traffic has really slowed down lately. If you if it's your first time hearing of it, go there, sign up, use your real name. You got to use your real first and last name as your use screen name, because then it offers a, you know, it it cuts down on the the internet bravado a lot. You know, you're not sixty nine four twenty head dot com. You know, and just spouting off a bunch of nonsense like you're an expert, like like uh the the what is it the uh uh who is it Sweetwater or full con somebody's got a forum an audio forum one of the big like retailers has an audio forum and you go on there and you find some ridiculous stuff but yeah over pro sound web they they moderate it pretty well and you use your real name so you know some people might know you in real life and if you're spouting off stupid stuff they're going to call you on it but yeah done that i pro sound web is owned by Live Sound International, which is a trade magazine. I've also done a few, I've written a few articles for them. I don't really, I don't do that anymore. I'm not a writer. I wrote a few articles and then I'm like, I'm out of ideas, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at article writing either. That's why I carried it a podcast. Because people were like, why don't you just do like an audio blog? And then you can just, I was like, write? Like English? Nah. <laughs> I was like, mm, no, I'd never get my point across if I had to do it that way. Yeah, me too. I just do this stream of consciousness thing. And, you know, you might ask me, you know, what's your favorite color? And I start talking about the, the virtues of the, you know, maple tree or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Deb. <laughs> so I actually, wait, I have a question. Do you access my podcast through your forum? Or have you ever posted it on your forum? I have posted it on the forum because somebody, I, I'm, I'm out there repping. During the, I can't remember if it was during the lockdown when everybody was out of work or whatever it was, somebody said, hey, what audio podcast are you listening to? And I posted up yours. I, I listened to a couple, but there's not a whole lot of audio podcasts out there in the grand scheme of things. I was just listening to Live Sound Bootcamp on my drive here today. I like those guys. The actual Pro Sound Web podcast itself, not such a huge fan of. It's okay. It's okay. But I'll say that I feel like for a podcast that calls themselves the Pro Sound Web podcast, it should sound like it was professionally produced. At least I know that things aren't going to go perfect all the time, but I think it should sound better than a Zoom call, which, you know, nine times out of 10, that's what it sounds like. Also, I feel like they're, I don't know, I just feel like their subjects and their subject matter kind of runs, you know, it's the same over and over and over again, I feel like. Um, I like your podcast. I, I I like hearing from minorities. You know, it's It's true. Like, there's no... There's no minorities in this field, hardly. I don't know why that is. I've, in a 
nearly 30 year career doing it, I've only met a handful. Really. It's a little different in the theater world, which I've got some experience in, but you know, you get theater kids that, that from all over all, all different flavors and stripes, but live concert, you know, band audio. I don't know why it is. It's just, it's a bunch of white dudes. It, I don't know. And I really, I'm not the authority to say why (laughs) I'm an old white dude. I'm not like, (laughs) I can't say why. I don't think that I've, I've tried to make it difficult for anybody to get into this world. But for some reason, it seems like it is. So, yeah, uh, I, I enjoy listening to your I, I enjoy listening to the opinions and the ideas of the people that you interview. Typically. Thank you. Yeah. OK, so two things. The first reason why I asked about the pro sound thing is because on my analytics, it shows me like where people come from. And that was one of the things that I kept seeing pop up. And I was like but I don't know this. Right. <laughs> and so I was really confused about where it was coming from. I mean, I was happy about it, but I was confused. Cause I was like, I don't know where this is. And then you mentioned it. And I was like, is Tim out here in these streets? Repping? Is Tim repping in these streets? The answer is yes. Greatly appreciate that. Street My team. second. <laughs> <Huh. laughs> you, I mean, it kind of is though. I mean, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. It's kind of cool having people who actually like value what I'm doing. And then the second thing is, so one of the reasons why I wanted you to be on the show is because you're one of the few people that I've met who has always been very come all, come, come on, come all sort of person. And I know like when I first met you, you didn't even like really question me in my skills or anything. You just assumed that because I said that I could, that I could. And then you just let me be at it, right? And and that is not something that usually happens, especially not for, in my experience as a Black woman in the world of live sound, more times than not, I get asked a million and one questions about, can I do something? before they ever let me do it and then even if they let me do it it's always like basic stuff that like anybody could do like it didn't require a specialized skill to do it's like can you wrap the cable can you push the box like yeah I can wrap a cable and push a box like I also do a lot more than that and so for me I think it's important that although we talk about minorities and their stories and their things that they're going through but also talk to the people who are encouraging of all people and who are, I don't like using the word ally because that's such a like, bleh, whatever, but just people who are encouraging of all people in general. And I think that sometimes that that conversation should be had as well with those types of people and that to show that those people do exist. I think so often we're all just like, like a lot of times I hear people talk and they're like, white males are dominating audio and da 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 which yeah they are and some of them are old cranky white dudes who are upset but yeah. you know most of those guys are having heart attacks and dropping off like flies though you know so there's a chance there's some doors opening there are some <laughs> doors opening because of that that is yeah. very true but also there are people out there in the world 
who are older white dudes who are also like, yo, what you want to know? Like, what can I teach you? What What is it that I can help you with or point you in a direction with? And I think that conversation needs to be had just as much. So that way we're not, we don't all end up for lack of better terminology, white man hating, you know, <laughs> you know, because I think that I think that we can fall into that really easily if we're not conscious of ourselves. Yeah, totally. I, for some background, I grew up in very rural middle Tennessee, a place called Westmoreland, Tennessee. I went to a high school where there were grades nine through 12. There were 400 kids in that school, all four grades, right? Our graduating class was 65, 75 kids, you know, so not all of them made it. There was not a single black person that I can recall from seventh grade all the way through graduating high school. Not one. It's just that kind of place, right? And yeah, there's a lot of racism there. You just heard it, you know, it was ingrained. I had come from a from a more diverse place. I came from closer to Nashville, you know, so elementary school and stuff like that. I had all kinds of friends, but yeah, once I got, once I moved out into the country, honestly, from fifth grade up, not a single black person. There was, I remember a Spanish guy who was a, 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 what do you call that? When you, when you switch countries, a, a, no, not an immigrant, like a, a, Foreign exchange student. That's what I, yeah, yeah. I remember a Spanish guy, foreign exchange student, and a French girl, foreign exchange student. That was it. Not even, so not even just no black people, no Mexican people, no Arab people, no, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing, you know, Anglo Saxon whites. That was it. And that, that kind of tribalism, you know, people fear the other. And there was no other to have experience with. So there's a lot of people just kind of huddled up together saying, uh, you know, those people and pointing fingers, you know. And when I, and, and I never really understood it, but it's what was, a, it was everything. It was my whole world back then. I'm not saying racism was my whole world, but it's like, you understand, like, you get a, you go through a high school and there's a kind of a prevailing, you know, it's tribalism. It's what it is, pure tribalism. So I left high school, graduated high school, and I went to my first job, which was a little in a bigger city. And I'm working with black people. I'm working with uh, Spanish people or Mexican people, or I'm working with, you know, at that point in time, w- weren't a lot of Middle Easterners around there, but, but I was like, you know, it's like, kind of terrified at first. Like what, what's going to happen? What, is somebody going to rob me? Is somebody beat me up? Somebody, you know, whatever, nothing happened. You know, nothing happened. Everybody's cool. Everybody's talking. And, you know, when I was, <laughs> when I was working, my first job out of high, my first real job out of high school was working at a Walmart. And, uh, I, the one, the girl that worked the, like the returns counter up front, was a black girl and she was gorgeous. And I was like, you know, in love all of a sudden. And I, I too scared to talk to her. Nothing. Just absolutely. I had no idea what to even do, you know, didn't last that long, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I, I got out of that job, started doing other stuff, but like, I, it was a weird feeling. I can tell you, like, 
you know, hearing for the last, you know, seven or eight years, uh, my f- most formative years, really hearing all the evil things that other people are going to be or do or whatever. And then to get out there in the real world, it's like, oh, they're normal. <laughs> they're just it's like me, <laughs> you know, it was it was eye opening. So I guess from that point on. I just I kind of just made I don't know if it was a conscious decision, but I just kind of just made a decision not to care. I don't care who you are, what you look like or whatever. And like, and at some point in the past, I read a, I read a little quote from something about racism. Why, why should racism exist? Like why, why, why are you thinking that this person or that person is different from you? If you were to have a, if you needed a, a heart transplant or a lung transplant or whatever it was, and a black person died in a car crash and your blood types matched and all your stuff matched up, you could take that person's heart and put it inside of you and it would work. How can you call that person different from you? Our parts are literally interchangeable. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not that different, you know? So I just kind of like that for some reason that stuck with me and to me, it's not an issue. It's not, an, not like, I don't, why would I even ask? To me, asking, you know, well, you know, are you a woman? Are you a person of color? Are you a whatever? You know, do you, you know, what? For one thing, like, I feel like one thing that's important is, do you speak English? Because all the jobs that I've got around here are kind of English speaking jobs. That's kind of a requirement. It's not a, it's not a, racism or a a thing that I'm trying to keep somebody down. I'm like, no, the job literally requires me to speak English. I've been to many gigs where I don't, I don't speak Spanish. I've been to many gigs where it was only Spanish speakers there and it's very difficult to work. You know, luckily I worked with some guys that had passable enough Spanish that we got by, but that, you know, for me, I didn't need to know what color you were or, you know, your name's Tangela. I kind of had a good guess that you were going to be female, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, and then what, then when I called you on the phone, uh, you know, that kind of cemented it for me, Yeah. which I don't know. A lot of people say I sound like a woman. I, I always get called ma'am on the phone by telemarketers. So I guess I, for some reason I sound like a woman on the phone. You did not sound like a woman when you talked to me on the phone the first time. So I can tell you that much. <laughs> well, I know good. what those people are talking about. That's good. <laughs> it happens. It's happened my whole life. People call me ma'am on the phone. I don't know why. But yeah, no, as far as like me hiring you from the, from the get go, I got your name from chance. Your, your buddy and mine chance. And friend of the podcast, by the way. Yeah. Good episode exactly with right. him. You should go check it out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, no, chance said uh, he'd been working with you and that you were, you were good. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think he did say something about, you know, she may not, she may not know exactly that console or whatever, but if I know her, she's going to study on it and, and figure out enough to, to make it work. And it's good enough for me. Cause listen, and, and this comes from a time in my life where I was trying to run my own sound company. I kind of failed miserably at it, but I did it for a while. And, uh, for the listeners, I hired Tangela first time we met, I, I hired Tangela to go do a graduation ceremony, uh, several of them at Texas state university, which I was, uh, I was contracting the labor 
to Texas State. They basically owned all the equipment. I just provided labor. And when I couldn't do it, I would hire Tangela. I'd hired Chance before and a couple other people. But and I just I got a recommendation from Chance. He gave you uh, he gave you the thumbs up, and I said, okay, good enough for me. I found in my own business. This is what makes me a terrible manager. Good for the employee, bad for making money. I decided to let whoever I hired do the things they needed to do their own way. I hired a can-do attitude. I didn't hire somebody that knew all the stuff. If you didn't know everything there was to know about audio, that didn't matter to me. If, because, let's face it, I mean, that was a pretty big event, Texas State Audio. But on the flip side of that, the the file was already there. The programming was there. The system was tweaked. It's, it's kind of a sit down, turn it on, and push faders gig. It wasn't that bad, except for the ridiculous, ridiculously tall guy that speaks and the ridiculously short woman that speaks. And they insist on sharing the same podium and the same microphone and not touching the microphone in between the two. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. My management style was... If Chance told me Tangela can get through the job, I'm going to let Tangela get through the job however she sees fit to do it. I'm not going to tell her how to do the work. I'm not going to say, this is how I do it, and I need you to do it this way. It doesn't work well that way. It doesn't allow you, Tangela, to flourish and to learn. Sometimes you're going to make mistakes, and that's okay because you're going to learn from those mistakes. It's the best way to learn. If I just go in and put my foot down and say, you can only do it this way and this is the way it's going to be done, you're not learning anything, you know? You're really not. And that's what that's what McDonald's does to people flipping burgers. Those people don't know how to make a good burger at home. Maybe some of them do. Maybe some of them have culinary aspirations I don't know about. I would wager to guess most people just have a job at McDonald's because McDonald's was hiring. And if you said, hey, make me a, make me a gourmet burger, probably couldn't do it, you know, but they can flip a McDonald's burger because McDonald's told them exactly how to flip that burger. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to hire people, put them on gigs, let them discover who they were and how they wanted to do things, turn them loose. That's it. As long as I'm not getting complaints by the client, what, what do I care if I could go in and make the mix sound better because I've got 20 more years experience, what does that, how does that help? How does that help you, a person trying to get that experience? It doesn't is, you know, I'm happy to let somebody just come in, play with the gear all they want, figure out what they want to do. Believe me, I didn't, when I first got started in this, I made a ton of mistakes and that's, that's just the way we had to learn. You know, back in the analog days is just set stuff up, see if it worked. If it does, great. If it doesn't, fix it, you know, figure out some other way to do it. It's just the way we did it. So, I don't know. So, so race, race to me, race didn't enter into the, any of that, that, you know, there, there was no question about race or gender. It just didn't, it didn't need to be asked about. So why ask it? That's my thought. <laughs> so first off, that is a really nifty thought process. A lot of people don't have that. So they, they, they either try to be that version, like they try to be that version of what you're talking about, 
but they go about it in a way that is really odd, which leads to the whole, it's, I don't want to call it inadvertently, but it's like they're trying so hard to ignore the things that make us unique, but they're doing it in all the wrong ways. Like, for example, okay, you could look at me and be like, okay, you're a woman, you're black, whatever, right? You can, you can, you can do that, that list. Or you could do a list about me that's like my personality, like, um, you know, gets along well with others or, you know, outgoing or whatever, right? And then you kind of make this cumulation of, of things that, that define who I am. And you can do that for each person. Well, when, we are having some of these sort of conversations or ways in which people are trying to be more diverse, they tend to try to ignore the personality of a person and they focus specifically on the physical attributes and if that is a thing. And it's like, great, yes, we that's, that's a great thing to, to have in some capacity, I guess, but you also should be concerned about their personality and their skills and are they trustworthy or reliable or the other things as well. And so I, I think a lot of people are trying to strive to do and be similar to what you're referring to, but they're kind of going about it in a semi-counterproductive kind of a way because they're focusing on the wrong parts. Right, right. Well, I have a unique upbringing and I, I really don't have much of an ego and I have no desire to do any kind of virtue signaling at all. And I think that's getting back to social media. I think that's one of the things that's just like a cancer in this country right now, in the world really, is people, otherwise good people otherwise very good people sometimes feel the pathological need to let the world know they've done something good or they've done something, whatever, you know, they're never going to say, Hey, I didn't hire this guy because he was black. You know, they're never going to say that yeah. unless they get caught. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> but, and even then like, you know, what's his name? Jimmy Johns or whatever. Is it Jimmy Johns or the other guy? I can't remember. Papa Johns. Papa John's? Yeah, I know Papa, Papa John's. Yeah, Papa John's. Uh, you know, he he got caught recently doing stupid stuff like that. But I don't have that. I just, I really don't have that that need in me. I don't have, I don't care if not a person in this world knows what I'm doing or what I ate for lunch. I don't have it. And so a lot of people do, even to a small degree, have it. And and the problem with social media is that it it drugifies that effect. It just because if you put out there that uh, I I hired a new uh, employee, her name's Tangela, and she's a black woman, and she's going to be, you know, doing so-and-so gigs for me. What's the point in me saying that? Well, the point is for me to score fake internet points, you know, if I'm putting it out there in the world. That's the point. And there would be 20 people commenting, oh, that's so awesome. You're so forward thinking. You're so this, you're so that, whatever. I didn't do it for that. I absolutely didn't do it for that. I don't care. 
me personally, I don't care about that. But so many people get caught up in the fact that that response to what they've put out there in the world, it gives them an endorphin hit, gives them that, that little shot of dopamine that they didn't know even existed until it happened. Now they got to have more. And that's, that's how you end up with what we've got today in the face of social media. It's just, it's disgusting. To me, it's disgusting. You know, all of social media is for real. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it, so I don't blame you. I do it because, you know, well, this podcast. Yeah. You can't get away from it right now. And stuff like that, you know, and, and I'm not mad at that. I, I don't, I'm not mad at the fact that social media plays an important role in our society, but I do think that too often people put too much stock into social media. And I think that's the hard part for a lot of people. Okay. So what you're talking about reminds me of when I was a kid. Um, One of my favorite musicals of all time, actually it's my number one favorite musical of all time. The Blue Brothers. Let me rephrase that. Absolutely not. <laughs> it is That's Cinderella with Brandy. Oh, okay? okay. Favorite musical of all time. Okay. And one of the reasons for it is because it was forward thinking without being forward thinking in the way in which people do it now. Blind casting across the board. They were like, eh, we're just hiring people. Here we go. You know? <laughs> and to me, I look at that musical and I look at that production and I think about all the amazing people that they hired for it, right? And all of these people have theater, singing, some sort of background, and that's why they were in the film. How you get Whoopi Goldberg with uh, Victor, I forget his last name, a white dude, black woman makes an Asian baby. I don't know, but somehow we have Pablo as the prince, you know? And so it's just, it's just like, that's what happens, you know? How you got Bernadette Peters, white woman, make like black woman Natalie as like, what? Come on now, how are we doing this here? And, and I think that one of the reasons why the musical was so fantastic to me is because they hired people who were amazing at their jobs. They hired people who were amazing at what they do. And and it wasn't about race or anything like that. It was, can you do this specific role? Yes or no. I think that's one of the many reasons that makes that musical one of my favorite musicals of all time. And I think that's a similar ide- ideology that people are wanting to strive for but because we live in a social media driven world it kind of gets convoluted because if you put anything out there even if you do something because it made you happy people are gonna respond to it some type of way and it becomes sort of like this weird i don't know like it just it gets kind of convoluted in a lot of ways because of it yeah no i i get what you're saying they that casting director that that production decided to hire talent period so if you audition and you're the best for that part they hired you you know is what i'm hearing i'm spoiler alert i've never seen it i don't know (gasps) i am not a fan of musicals except for the aforementioned blues brothers that's one of the greatest musicals of all times lies i mean i don't know (laughs) children if you haven't seen the blues brothers go back and watch it because it's incredible and ray charles is uh incredible in it the uh but yeah no it's it sounds like they just they just hired talent and that's the way it should be if if you want the best person to play x part 
you have an open audition and you find the person that plays that part the best. And blind auditioning is how things should be. But the flip side of that coin is that I'm sure somebody complained somewhere and that complaining, oh, Cinderella, I'm assuming Brandy played Cinderella. Is that correct? She did. Okay. Yeah. Cinderella is a white person. Well, no, Cinderella was a cartoon. Like, give it a break. She was a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> She's a fictional character. <laughs> Cinderella was a, it's a fictional character. It's nothing, it, literally nothing. So, like, why couldn't Cinderella be the green girl from Star Trek? It doesn't matter. If that's the person who danced and sang the best and lost her slipper the best, there you go. Done. I mean, that's a slipper losing skills is a, is a, is a, it's a whole class when you go to acting class, acting school. It's a whole class about losing your slipper. While that is a fantastic gold reach for, you're going to have people on social media talking about about that musical, positive or negative. Either way, it's like shining a light on racism or sexism or whatever other ism. You know, it could be uh, LGBTQ alphabets, whatever. I, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know the whole acronym. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it, it keeps it keeps expanding, I and I keep getting lost with them too. And I try to be kind about it, but I, I honestly, I think it's LGBTQIA plus. Oh my goodness! Is the most recent form of yeah. the acronym. Yeah, I believe. God, I just so, I'm gonna I'm gonna put forward a motion to just let's um let's just pick a word uh that equals the acronym so that we can just, you know, say maple tree and everybody knows what you're talking about. I think queer is supposed to incorporate okay, all I'm of it. But don't quote me on that. Yeah. I, but I think queer identifying people is the thing, but I don't know if that includes the non binary and non-gender conforming people. So, and, and here's the crazy thing. I only read about that stuff online. I only, I only see it as a, as being a problem online. Like I, like I said, I've got experience in the theater. And if you have a issue working with or talking to or hanging out with gay people, then the theater is not the place for you, hun. Like, get out of that work environment because you're going to be miserable because you know 75% of the dudes there are gay like or more it's just the way it is the theater is fabulous and they love being there <laughs> so, it is. absolutely absolutely i've never had a problem in real life dealing with anybody that was any different from me in any way i only seem to hear that it's a problem online now that could be that i don't have a problem with anybody i'm willing to talk with anybody hang out do what you know we can go have lunch together it doesn't matter to me and there's a lot of people in this world that aren't that yeah way i also think it's pockets like where are you in the world because i think in a lot of these places and, and this is just my speculation again i don't know for sure either i'm not part of that spectrum of individuals so i can only guess on this but it seems to me that it you tend to have a lot more of these issues in specific places where there is a one higher population of 
people in general. Because anytime there's more people in an area, you're more likely to have some sort of conflict because there's more people closer together. But then also in areas where that is sort of, um, I don't want to say glorified because that sounds negative, but I can't think of another word for it, where that is encouraged. That's a better word. Where that sort of lifestyle is accepted. They're like, yeah, be you. You do you, boo-boo. Like where that stuff exists at in those hubs, I think a lot of that, because you have more people in those hubs and those hubs tend to have a larger population in general, I think it kind of increases your probability of having sort of issues. Now, are you having issues because of who you are? I don't know. Is it an issue because you're just a trash person? Possibly. You know, there's always options for why people are having conflicts. So I think that's sort of why a lot of it tends to, for the average person, mostly exists online. It's because most of us don't live one, in that world of higher populations, like where they live at. And two, we don't tend to have those types of large hubs in most people's cases. So that's my sort of reasoning behind why I'm not like hearing about stuff like that, like on like local news, very in the same capacity. And I think it's the same reason why people say things like, oh, well, you live out in the country, so it's different for you. And they're like, it is. That's exactly why because I'm out in the country. Or, oh, you live in Texas. It's different for you in Texas. You're right. It is. And I think that that's literally the the whole point. I think that's why we all experience life differently is because we ain't all living in the same place, guys. Come on, get it together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seems logical. And and I think that's funny. People, people have a view of Texas, uh, especially after this whole ridiculous abortion law thing that, that you know, happened. But, you know, right. Texas has been really drugged through the press lately. Right. But honestly, like, like you would, if you didn't know me and, you know, the people listening to this aren't going to be able to see me, you would see, you would look at me and probably think gun toting Republican two way guy, whatever, uh, you know, cause that's, you know, I'm wearing a flannel shirt and some new balance shoes and I'm a, I'm a white guy, you know, old white guy. That's it. With a beard. With a beard. Yeah. With a big old beard. But I've, I've been to Houston in places in Houston where, you know, you would think like recently I was in Las Vegas. We did a bunch of walking around in Las Vegas. You would think that there would be some, some weirdness happening in Las Vegas. Trust me. You can go walking around the Galleria Mall down in Houston or the, or even better go to Greenspoint Mall and man, you're going to see some stuff stuff you're gonna see a 350 pound six foot seven guy wearing bright red lipstick and a wig and just strutting and like he's feeling beautiful you know he she uh, whichever way he wants to go he she whatever i don't know but like you're gonna see that a lot texas is a diverse place texas is an awesome place it really is there's a lot of acceptance here you got cow literal cowboys like one of the bands I worked with, that guy Monday through Friday was on horseback roping cows, branding and, you know, medicating and whatever. That was his lifestyle, literally on horseback. And then on the weekends, he would go play music. You got that? I've done gigs. Houston had a rap scene back in the day and uh, South Houston, like yeah. uh, South Park Mexican, Lil Troy. Uh, Lil Flip. Little flip, DJ DMD, like 
all this stuff. Like there, there was a scene and I was in the middle of that too. Uh, I was doing those gigs, you know, uh, screw. Did you screw? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I'm, like I listen to that stuff sometimes when I'm, when I'm feeling ornery, but like, I can't say that I'm a fan of it all, but like, dude, sometimes you just need to put on some screw and, and cruise, you know? Um, it's awesome. I mean, who's a fan of all the music that they've done shows for? I mean, I know so <laughs> many people who are in the musical world and yeah. who do theater and they don't even like musical theater. I'm like, come on, you know, like whatever. Sometimes you just get railroaded into a job and it's a job, you know? I like country. I'm not like the hugest country fan and all that, but like I've made a career out of working in country music because mostly that's what's around me. I've had friends. I had friends that, that went out with a band called Flyleaf and they went around the world for a few years. They were like, they hit it big and got popular. Ozfest and the whole nine yards. Uh, those were dudes out of the same shop that I worked in crewing for Flyleaf. So. Uh, but they got lucky. They got, you know, they, they hit the one in a million. I, I have lots of country bands to pick from. They, they found the one rock band, like good rock band that, that went around the world. So anyways, this is a sound podcast, right? Are we going to talk about sound? Hey, I think that this is all part of it. I really do. Okay. So one of the reasons, which is why I like my podcast so much <laughs> is that I mean, first I did it, right? <laughs> I like I like what I am doing. But, <laughs> I like it because it's mine. Because <laughs> it's mine. It's all mine. But no, one of the reasons why I like it is because I think audio, the industry of audio is bigger than just pushing buttons and faders and standing in the back somewhere. I think it's bigger than that. And I think sometimes, no matter where you are in your journey of the audio world, there are life lessons to be taught and to be learned through lived experiences of others. And that's really what it boils down to, to me. It's like, did you learn something from it? Did, did you, did I add value? Did we add value to your life in some capacity? If the answer is yes, then by all means, I did it right. We've done it right. Congratulations, pat on the back. But if, you know, you don't, if you didn't gain anything from it, then I think that's sort of more of the bigger issue. But I think sometimes you can learn how to be a better sound engineer by just learning how to be a better person. Yeah, totally. Being a better person is not explicit to pushing buttons and faders. It's not explicit to, can you hang a system? Sometimes it's, can you be better with your money? Sometimes it's better, like, can you be a good business person? Can you be better at your communication skills? And to me, that makes us well-rounded individuals, not just sort of like idiot people. I mean, we're audio people, but we're not just audio as humans, you know? So I think that's why stuff like this is okay with me. All right. So I think we're going to call it right there. So if you know anything about me, you listen to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that I talk too much. We talk too much. It's fine. So instead of having you guys listen to us talk for, I don't know, three hours straight, I decided to cut this episode in half. So don't forget to come back for part two of Tim's interview. In the meantime, go over to my website. You can check me out over there, beatsinabottle.com. Sign up for our newsletter so you can be up to date with all things Let's Talk Audio and, well, me. So, in the meantime, I'll check you all later.